0: That could make a Wolverine
3: purr on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and this experience is going to be having a little bit of everything tonight as we've got to take a look at what is going to be a really solid college basketball Tuesday. We've got some NBA futures to discuss with a lot of guys moving teams. We've got A lot to discuss with regards to the Honda Open, and we're going to be doing that here in hour number one with Ian McMillan. He does great work over with the Bacon Best podcast, which that's going to be a lot of fun. Ian is absolutely terrific at taking a look at so many different things. He's going to be joining me in 15 minutes. I know that he does great work with a wide variety of platforms, so very much looking forward to that chat, and I know that he does some NHL as well. We're going to be getting that on the card for tonight as well, so... We're going to be covering that in 15 minutes. Hour number two, one of our favorites, Danielle Avari. She does great work here at the network. She does great work with DraftKings. And on top of that, for those of you that attend UCLA games, she's oftentimes doing a lot of the in-stadium MCing for the college basketball and college football team. She's going to be joining me. We're going to talk a little college basketball with her. We're going to be diving into a whole bunch of futures with Jason Weingarten who does great work here at the network in hour number two. And then hour number three, we're talking a little Oscars. We're going to be talking some college basketball and so much more with our good friend Tom Cunningham, who does nice work over at runyourpool.com. So that is what we've got all on tap for tonight. And right now, it's just a lot of basketball that's going down because we did see a lot from the world of the NBA, which now you're sort of In that reset a little bit with college basketball, we're noticing a lot of books. They're sort of resetting the futures just a little bit. They offer them all throughout the season, but they're going to take much more handle these next few days because instead of the day-in and day-out grind that you typically have with the NBA, you're able to take a little bit of a breath. You get a little bit more news with things like, oh, I don't know, Russell Westbrook staying in the city of L.A. Very funny that he plays for UCLA, Obviously, spent so many years with very many teams, but now goes from the Lakers to now the Clippers after spending a nice cup of coffee in the great state of Utah along the way. But I do think that it is very important to be keeping things in context, and I just always come back to this with the NBA. Chemistry still does matter, and these teams that are making small moves, I do think is a very good thing. Like Russell Westbrook going to the LA Clippers. That's a move that I think is worth taking a look at. I do think that that warrants taking a look at the Clippers with a little bit of a different light, and perhaps that is going to be something that could push them over the top in the Western Conference. I am someone that I really can't get on board with these teams that make wholesale changes, though, like with the Phoenix Suns. No doubt about it, being able to get Kevin Durant, that is just absolutely massive for them, but when's the last time, and I've mentioned this a few times, and I think that it's worth bearing repeating once again. When's the last time we've seen a team make an absolutely massive in-season move? And I'm not talking about bringing in like a role guy. I'm not talking about, oh, here we go. This guy is going to play 10 minutes off the bench. He's going to give us five points, things of that nature. But I'm talking about a bona fide top 10, top 15 player come over via trade mid-season. And the team that made that trade, they're able to win the entire thing. I really can't think of the last time it's happened. I am sure that it has happened in the past, but you have to go way, way back. Just in all forms of basketball, chemistry still matters. It's something that I really do take a look at in terms of college basketball as well. It's how I land on a lot of the teams I do pick to be able to win the NCAA tournament. I do think that the draw is obviously so key when it comes to the NCAA tournament as well, and that's something that I always repeat with regards to taking a look at the futures market, especially with this year in college basketball where if you can identify that top team in all of college basketball, you let me know. There's a team that was playing on Monday that I'm gonna be getting to in a minute, but I do think that very much so in the NBA, you do want to be taking a look at these guys that have been playing together for so long because something that goes under the radar in the NBA is that when you pick up a guy mid season With the way that the NBA schedule is structured, even though there's fewer and fewer back-to-backs in this day and age, for a lot of these teams, it's, you play a game in Portland on Monday, you travel to Utah and play against the Jazz on Wednesday, you maybe return home to Los Angeles if you're someone like a Russell Westbrook, Paul George, what have you, for a Friday game that doesn't allow for a lot of practices to be able to meld with your guys, to be able to just form a little bit of a rapport. You have to do that on the court and by a shoot arounds and that's not necessarily the world's easiest thing to do. Recognize that some of these guys play with each other on the Olympic team, but not necessarily something that I want to get invested in. And so that's something that I think there should be a little bit more credence suck into. I mentioned it as well with regards to what we saw on Monday in college basketball as well. By the way, I've got to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back. If you took the under that I gave out for the DK Nation pick, one of the best no sweat, win- sweat winners we've had all season long. In a year where unders have just been such a grind. It has been so brutal. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at the last 30 days in college basketball, I get this via covers. I mean, trying to get unders is like trying to pull teeth at this point. The overrate is 55.2% in college basketball over the last 30 days. to covers 762 overs, 618 unders. If you have done nothing but bet overs in college basketball over the last 30 days, you're up over 70 units. Just absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like it. I do think that we're going to see some progression, and hopefully the TCU versus Kansas game was a good beacon of light for that. I mean, it started out at 149, and at the total, they got bet up to right around 151, 152, and either team gets 65 points. Those are the sorts of results and I absolutely love to see so many people like rooting for tri- for points. Well, I always say that with unders, a lot of people talk about betting against human achievement. Well, isn't playing defense really well achievement as well? I, I look at it at a little bit of a different light. I'm a little bit of a different person with that regard, but Kansas, a big win over TCU 63 to 58. They were able to exact revenge in that one. And, in a year where it is wide the heck open in college basketball. A lot of these uh, advanced metric sites do have Houston as your number one team in the country, though I think the team that might have the highest ceiling is Alabama, but the team has probably been the most consistent and has the most just night in and night out. Solid wins is Kansas at this point. You're able to take a look at a team like UCLA. I do think that they have some upside. Arizona out here on the West Coast. I like the way that they've been able to play. Purdue as a player of the year, and Zach Eady. You've got Tennessee with the top defense at all of college basketball. We've seen some flashes from UConn. I mean, heck, if you want to go a little bit further down the list, I would not be surprised if you see a team like a Creighton be able to come out and have a relatively solid showing. And really, you've got five teams in the Big East that none of them are necessarily that true fortified Final Four team, but all of them are relatively rock solid as well as you've got Marquette, you've got Creighton, and... Those teams are going to be playing on Tuesday. I'm going to be breaking that game down a little bit later on during the show, but, I mean, it is insane what we've been seeing in college basketball, and why not bank on consistency in this day and age? Now, this is going to be a year where very much matchups do make fights because with Kansas, they've already lost four games in their own conference, but this is also a conference in the Big 12 that, it's probably the biggest murderous row in comparison to the rest of college basketball that we've ever seen. Like right now, your worst team in the Big 12 is Oklahoma. I recognize that they're 13 and 14 straight up, but I mean, Oklahoma in their last on-conference game won by north of 20 points against Alabama. And that's your worst team in the conference right now. That just speaks to you how deep the Big 12 is. And I do think that that needs to warrant a little bit of a bump up. And something that I think is so interesting in college basketball and something that I haven't really even myself dove into too much until the last year or two is taking a look at teams in relation to just sort of conference styles. Like, we always identified home teams in the Big Ten. They're just absolutely brutal. I mean, you see it time and time again. Like, look at those splits of teams like Maryland. We're going to be seeing Indiana versus Michigan State. You take a look at those two teams, home and road splits, and, I mean, it is Jekyll and Hyde. We see that with darn near every single team across the board, every single road win in the Big Ten needs to be traded like gold. You want to even go back a little bit further. You remember that 2020-21 season where you had Gonzaga as a very clear number one, Baylor as a very clear number two. The number three team in college basketball that year was Minnesota at the barn. Meanwhile, Minnesota in a road slash shoot record environment was like a outside the top 200 team. I mean, it's absolutely insane what you get in some of these home court environments, and that was a year where you had the COVID-19 pandemic, and Minnesota was getting as many people to their games as I currently have in the studio. I'm s- I'm protected by glass, so currently there's nobody in here. We've got a great, hard-working crew behind the scenes that always does an absolutely tremendous job, but I'm in a room by myself, and that's who Minnesota was playing in front of, and well, they were still getting all those wins. It's just absolutely ridiculous what you're able to see in those, but. I mean, for teams in the Big 12, you have to be taking a look at that very, very. You have to be taking a look at that and really diving in there. And it's a big reason why I'm having to knock a lot of these teams in the SEC as well, because we're going to be diving into some SEC games here today. There's going to be a lot of SEC action on Wednesday as well. Then I've been handicapping here on this Monday, and I just keep diving into the SEC, and I'm just like, man, every single team in this conference has absolutely no idea how to shoot threes. And I do think that that's a hallmark of them. So I do think that taking a look at these teams just in relation to one another, is very, very big because you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. But as we know, the way that you play against those teams and sort of the way that things set up when you get thrown out of that sort of little bubble that we've got in terms of conference play, we experience this a little bit when it comes to football. Well, you're going to find out that sometimes it can cause for teams that they're not used to playing for a different style. Sometimes it comes back to bite them in the butt. But something that always rewards us here on the show is getting Ian McMillan aboard. He does tremendous work with the Bacon Bets podcast, and he joins me next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network.
4: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're
0: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on v the sports betting network.
3: If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the v experts... I've got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to a daily replay of the top plays made by VEASAN shows and guests. Tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VEASAN betting guides, for the biggest games of the season where experts break down brackets, best bets, and daily props. Do not miss out on the limited Time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe today and sign up for just $9.99. That is V-S-I-N dot com slash subscribe. And we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. And it is great to be joined by this man, Ian McMillan, does absolutely terrific work. And he's got one of the best named podcasts that you're going to find, the Bacon Bets podcast. You're able to find that wherever your podcast. He does some great work over there at BetSided. I know he does some great work with hammer betting as well. And Ian, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
5: Yeah. Thanks for having me on Greg. Just wrapped up sweating out uh, my UC Irvine, my anteaters Uh, just barely escaped with the win there. Thankfully I didn't bet on them to cover, but uh, I got a root for my anteaters in the big West. So uh, just wrapping up uh, that, that that close game that uh, I didn't think was going to be as close as it was. I
3: decided that
5: I was going to dive in
3: and I was going to take the 11 with Cal Poly. Didn't think it would be quite that close. And, UC Irvine went 2-0 against Cal Poly with winning those games by combined four points. So clearly <laughs> a little bit of a, I guess you'd call it matchup anomaly there because it's just a case where Cal Poly apparently matches up really well with UC Irvine. So that was very fascinating. And this is something that's very fascinating as well. We've got a $5 favorite in the NHL for Tuesday. It is the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to be playing mostly the Anaheim Ducks. And... No question about it. There's a talent disparity in this one, but how do you gauge a line like this? Because we've also got a few other $3 favorites like the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils. They're big, giant favorites, even the Vegas Golden Knights. They're getting up right around minus 275, but how do you play some of these lines in the NHL, especially the one that I just mentioned with the Lightning being a north of $5 favorite because it just makes it very difficult to be able to take a look at money lines that are just as chalky.
5: Yeah, most of the time, I either don't bet it or I look towards a total. But when you're talking about a team like the Lightning all the way up at $5 favorites, I think just go the other side. Uh, I mean, hockey is, is a little bit of a, a weird sport. It's a sport that has a lot of variance, a lot of maybe luck, you might call it, because there's only a few goals scored each game. I mean, one goalie has a really good game. The other goalie has a really bad game. Think Weird things happen. There's a reason why in the NHL playoffs it's not completely unheard of for a 6, 7, or even 8 seed to go on a run. So any time a team is set as this big big of a favorite, uh, just kind of based on the sport itself, even without handicapping the teams, this is a 60-minute game. Anything can happen. I mean, we just saw the Ducks, uh, and this is probably the reason why they're massive underdogs. They're on the second half of a back-to-back uh, on the road here. Uh, but they just took the Florida Panthers to overtime today. Uh, you you're telling me there's uh, no chance whatsoever that they can at least challenge the Tampa Bay Lightning? I mean, maybe even you wanted to, you know, look at the puck line, take them plus one and a half, plus two and a half, uh, if you want to be a little bit more conservative. But I, I, I can see teams being minus 300-ish favorites, but once you get up to minus 500-ish or wherever this line is for the Lightning, it's It's a little too much. Just, uh, I mean, these are all professional hockey players here. They're all trying to win the game. And there's too much variance, I think, in the sport of hockey to justify laying the juice on them.
3: And for those that are sort of like myself that do a lot more baseball, would you liken it sort of to where you get, like, Max Scherzer on one side, and on the other side you get, insert your call up here from the Detroit Tigers, where... Max Scherzer is a four-dollar favorite, and it's just like, man, we've just gotten up a little bit too lofty because I think that there's a lot of good similarities between NHL betting and baseball betting because both are moneyline sports. And when you just get too chalky of a favorite in the MLB, it's like, you know what? I'm going to take the plus two fifty, plus three dollars, what have you, on insert your starter here, just banking on it being an nine-ending game and there being a lot of variance. That's sort of the same approach that you take sometimes with the NHL with some of these bigger lines.
5: I agree, yes, and I would say even more so in the NHL, just because there's even fewer, generally, obviously, goals scored in the NHL than runs scored in Major League Baseball. So fewer goals, fewer just overall points scored in a game, I think there's a uh, a bigger chance for a team to pull off a big upset. I mean, just look at my Toronto Maple Leafs, who within the past week lost to arguably the two worst teams in the NHL, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. These things happen. Um, so sometimes you just got to uh, bet on the underdog and hope for the best.
3: Absolutely. And hey, you just mentioned it. You've got a little bit of a rooting interest on the Toronto Maple Leafs and they're going to be in action on Tuesday. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Buffalo Savers. This is a number that opened in a lot of places right around minus 150, minus 155. Seeing this get up now to minus 160 in quite a few spots. Goal total is at 6.5, juicy over. What do you make out of this matchup? Because you did mention that the Maple Leafs had a little bit of a rough stretch the last week or two, and for the Buffalo Savers, it's been a relatively solid year, but it still has been a Maple Leafs team that I think has been able to do a rock-solid job thus far this season, especially on offense.
5: Yeah, the Maple Leafs do have a tendency to play down with their competition when they're playing the worst teams in the NHL. Like the Coyotes, for some reason, have had their number over the past couple seasons. But the Sabres, despite not being a playoff team at least right now, still a little bit of a feisty team here. Uh, And I don't think the Maple Leafs are going to take them lately. Also, don't forget the Maple Leafs just traded for Ryan O'Reilly. That is a player that is going to do a lot of good things for Toronto uh, once he kind of gets his chemistry down. Uh, with his line mate. So I am going to take the Maple Leafs. I got them at minus 155. I'd probably play them up to minus 165, uh, as long as you can still grab that number. Um, The Leafs, yeah, the record lately hasn't been great, but their statistics, uh, I actually think they have been playing some great hockey. If you look at um, expected goals uh, percentage over their last 10 games, they actually lead the NHL uh, with an expected goal differential per game of plus 1.2. Uh, so, yeah, they play down to some uh, bad competition, but I, I think the Sabres are a notch above the teams like the Blackhawks and like the Blue Jackets. Maple Leafs aren't going to take them lightly. I like, I do like the Leafs in this spot, despite, like I said, a little bit of a bumpy record as of late. I still play think they're playing some great hockey.
3: And we do have some high totals on this NHL board for Tuesday as well because I'm only seeing two totals of six now. It's become just v- much more commonplace this year and it extended into last year as well where a lot of these totals are now more set around six half on the open rather than sixes like we used to see for many many years but this is one of those totals with a six it is the Detroit Red Wings and the Washington Capitals. Capitals about a minus 150 to a minus 155 favorite in a lot of spots. What do you make out of this total being set a little bit lower than darn near the rest of the board and do you have any lean on the side as well?
5: Yeah, I do like uh, I like the under in this game. I got under six at even money. I would play it probably till around minus 115. This is a game between one team that is not creating a lot of offensive chances against the other team that's not capitalizing on their offensive chances. Uh, and that team that's not capitalizing on those chances is the Washington Capitals, uh, who you look at uh, their goals per game over the last 10, only 1.98 per game, 30th in shooting percentage. Their offense has gone ice cold. And the Red Wings, they're scoring uh, on some of their chances, but they're just not creating a ton of chances. Uh, dead last in the NHL over that same stretch in expected goals per game and high danger scoring chances. Uh, so I do like the under in that game. Uh, if I was looking on the side, I'd probably lean the Capitals. Uh, Red Wings dead last in coursey percentage, which is an analytic that I love for the NHL over their last 10 games. Not creating a lot of chances, giving up some chances. Uh, but I do like the under. I think it's the best play two teams that have struggled offensively over their last 10 games.
3: I know that this team has struggled as well of being able to put the biscuit in the basket. That would be the Chicago Blackhawks. They're going to be playing us through the Vegas Golden Knights. Golden Knights had a little bit of a struggle towards the back half of the first half of the season, but coming out of the all-star break, they were just absolutely firing in all cylinders. I think they had 19 goals in their first three games and Now, you've got the Vegas Golden Knights as right around minus 275 favorite. And I know you were talking to me about this just a few minutes ago with these chalky favorites. Typically, you're going to lay off of those, but you do still have a way of fading the Chicago Blackhawks in this spot. Talk to me about it.
5: Yeah, this is actually a spot where I like a team total here. I like the team total under 2.5. You mentioned it, Greg. The Blackhawks haven't done a great job of finding the back of the net lately, but it's actually the Golden Knights defense that makes me really love this bet. They have been playing fantastic in their own end, which is not something I'm used to saying about the Vegas Golden Knights. Over their last 10 games, uh, uh, expected goals against a 2.5 goals per game. That is the best mark in the NHL, only allowing an actual mark of 2.37 goals per game. Uh, And their goaltender, uh, Laurent Brassois, if I pronounce that correctly, a little French twist on it. He's been great lately as well. 222 goals against average in his last 10, 919 save percentage. Uh, in the month of February as well. So uh, it's one of the worst offenses in the NHL, and the Blackhawks going against the team that's playing the best defensive hockey. I like the team total under Blackhawks. Two and a half, I got it around minus 137. I'd like it all the way up to minus 145.
3: Yeah, Ben, it's going to be really interesting to take a look at this Golden Knights team moving forward as well, because they had a relatively solid first half of the season, but it looks like ever since the break, they've been coming out firing on all cylinders. And I know that Ian McMillan has a little bit more in terms of the NHL futures market as well. And you've got to dive into some golf with them as well. Ian McMillan does great work over at BetSided, he's got his own podcast, The Make It Best Podcast, which you're able to catch wherever you find your podcasts. And we're going to be discussing that with him. And that's getting the college basketball player too with Ian next, right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Veasan, the Sports Bay Network.
0: On the
3: Sports Network. Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson experience is presented by Zenicine Pouches, which is the surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine products are either too complicated to use or they don't provide the satisfaction that you are looking for, but Zen Nicotine pouches they might surprise you. Zen is made with six simple ingredients and is completely tobacco leaf-free, plus it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zen online or find a store that is nearest you at Zen.com. That is ZYN.com today, and a warning that this product does contain nicotine, and nicotine is an addictive chemical. We're back here on the Great Peterson Experience on VCN, the Sports Bank Network, being rejoined by Ian McMillan, who does great work over there at BetSided. He's a part of the Bacon Bets podcast as well. You're able to find that wherever your podcast. And Ian, I know you've got a little bit of a futures play in the NHL and it does involve a team that is more in the Western side of things. As a matter of fact, it's well, more down South if you're looking just geographically, but take me through the feature that you currently have in the NHL.
5: Time to take a shot at the, uh, the Dallas stars, uh, still available right around 14 to one here. I think if you're going to bet on any future, uh, especially if you're looking for some value, maybe a team that's not at the very top of the odds list. I think you have to look at the Western conference because there's no doubt that the Eastern Conference is significantly better in the West. Actually, I believe four of the five, of the top five teams on the odds list to win the Stanley Cup all come from the East, but only one of those teams can win the conference, whereas uh, there's a lot of teams in the West that could win. And why not the Dallas Stars? Uh, this is a team that is currently leading uh, the Central Division. Uh, they have the best goal differential in the Western Conference, plus 37. They have one of the best if not the best young goaltender in the NHL right now, and Jake Odinger. And they have uh, something that they haven't had in the past couple of years when they've kind of been in this spot where they've been able to go on runs. Uh, and that's, they have an offense. Uh, they're So far this season, ninth in the NHL in expected goals for a much better offense than, than what they've had over the past couple of seasons. Now their offense has gone a little bit cold as of late over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but I don't think that's going to continue. I think the, they're just in a little bit of a slump offensively. I'm uh, going to trust their kind of season-long numbers here uh, instead because uh, for the large majority of the season, they have been very good offensively. Like I said, uh, a goaltender who I think you might even want to take a shot up to win the Vesna Trophy at around 9-1 to one is, is Jay Godinger, uh, tied for the second-best save percentage right now amongst all-starting goalies. I think the Dallas Stars, if you're looking for a team in the West, at 14-1, to because I don't really trust really any team. I don't trust the defending champs in the Avalanche. We'll see what happens. When Gabriel Landeskog gets back to the lineup, maybe that'll uh, provide them a little bit of a spark. But uh, at 14 to one, love the Dallas Stars out of the West.
3: Yeah, Ben Odinger is having himself an amazing year. That's a good call by you and Ian. I know you've had some good calls over the years in terms of golf as well. And The Honda Classic doesn't quite have the field that we've seen the last few weeks. The Waste Management Open just before the Super Bowl was absolutely rambunctious. Last week with the Genesis, you had Tiger Woods in there. So no doubt there are a lot of people out in full space on this one. But you do have a relatively solid field. And I know you're taking a look at a few in terms of matchups. I know that you've got a few in terms of a few plays in general. Just in terms of be able to win outright, more of the derivative markets as well. Take me through how you're viewing the Honda Classic and what you've all got on this event.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So the Honda Classic, you mentioned it, Greg, not exactly a strong field, but actually from a betting standpoint, sometimes these events can actually be a little bit better to bet on because lately we've seen that whenever it's a field that's strong, it's, you know, a top five guy on the odds list, if not that top 10 uh, that ends up winning the events. A lot of the big events have been kind of chalky outcomes. I mean, look at John Rahm, who's the favorite. Last week, has already won three times this season. So with there not being a lot of big names, you can actually find some guys a little bit further down the odds list uh, that are, that's going to present some betting value. Now, I will say about the Honda Classic, if you want to take a look at this event closer and handicap it, the one thing I would advise everyone to look out for is to bet on guys who can scramble well and save power and avoid bogeys because uh, this is an extremely difficult course. Actually, it's the toughest non-major course on the PJ Tour, an average score of plus 1.53 over par per round. Uh, it has the most water balls, uh, balls that end up in the water over every course over the past three years. Uh, it has the highest double bogey or worst percentage on the PJ Tour. So we want to target guys who don't get bogeys. Now, maybe they aren't guys who are going to, get a ton of birdies, but as long as they don't get bogeys and do a good job of saving par, they're going to stay in this tournament throughout uh, Thursday, Friday, and into the weekend. So my favorite bet to win is the guy who is the slow and steady guy on tour who kind of fits this description to perfection. That's Matt Kuchar. Uh, now, if you told me you know, a couple months ago I'd be betting on Matt Kuchar to win a tournament in 2023, I probably wouldn't believe you, but... He's quietly uh, the old fella. has been doing doing pretty well on the PGA Tour this season. A little bit of a resurgence here, uh, including a solo eighth place at last week's Genesis Invitational and what was a stacked field. Uh, But the reason why I like him the most is because he is a guy who can save par. He actually leads the PGA Tour heading into this event in scrambling percentage. And scrambling percentage means if you don't hit the green in regulation, uh, you get back on the green, and then hit the putt to save par. He is the best on the PGA Tour this season in doing that with the scrambling percentage of 74.07%. He's the best uh, sand save percentage. He's great out of the bunkers in saving par, uh, 82.76%. And generally, his game has been pretty solid, 16th in total strokes gained. So Matt Kuchar, you can get him at 25 to 1. I think his style of play this season fits this course to perfection. I think he's coming into this play, uh, into this tournament in great form. I also have a top 10 and a top 20 bet. I like Danny Willett to finish in the top 10. This is another guy who does a great job of scrambling. Um, uh, he ranks uh, inside the top 10, actually, and inside the top five in scrambling percentages, season fifth on tour in that stat, scrambling at a rate of 70.06%. Also 12th in strokes gained putting, uh, which is huge to uh, separate yourself from the pack in, a, in an event that doesn't have a very strong field. Uh, you can get him at around plus 550 to finish in the top 10, and then Austin Cook to finish in the top 20. Bit of a long shot here, but a guy who is also pretty good at scrambling, 29th on the PJ tour and scrambling percentage. Uh his uh approach game is pretty good. 33rd in stroke skin approach. Now he is bad with the driver. He is bad with putting, but that's why this is this guy's a long shot. That's why he's plus six fifty to finish inside the top 20. But I think there's enough good things there with his scrambling and with his approach play uh, that he can take advantage of a weak field here as well. So Matt Kuchar to win, Danny Willett top 10, Austin Cook top 20. Uh, Like I said, if you want to make your own picks, I strongly advise you take a look at scrambling percentage, bogey avoidance, those kinds of stats uh, for the Honda Classic at PGA National.
3: And there's always that old saying of horses for courses. How do you evaluate a course like this as opposed to Maybe a little bit of a different course like a Pebble Beach where you've got a little bit of just a different layout with the course because I know that you mentioned on this course it's just all about being able to save par just being able to make sure that you don't have major slip ups because I always think that that is so important because it just feels like there are some guys that on this course are going to have much more success than they will perhaps in the next event.
5: Yeah, that that's definitely true. There are some events. I mean, there are some events that guys are just an auto bet. You gotta have to bet on them every single year that they play at those events at those courses. This course, PGA National, um, actually not quite as strong of a correlation in terms of guys who've had success here um, in the past and then having success in in the same year. Um, there actually have been uh, a trend, I was trying to find it there as you were talking, but there's a trend where the guys who won the event have I believe it's missed the cut there and one of the previous three seasons leading up to it. Now what is important is that they have at least played there. Uh, that what's It's not important what the result was there. We've seen guys play bad there and then go on to win, but as long as they've played there, they've experienced the course, they know where they have to hit their shots, they know where they can't hit their shots, that's a little bit more important. Uh, but like you, uh, I bring up Matt Kuchar, he actually hasn't played this event since 2011, uh, which is probably the one detractor for him. But he has played there, I, th- I believe it's three times early on in his career. Um, so I- I'm just worried about the fact that he has played there. He knows how to get around the course. He knows where to put his ball. That's going to be the important thing here for PGA National. But uh, number one, like I said, over everything else, you got to avoid bogeys. You can't shoot yourself out of the tournament here.
3: And I think that that's something so important for this course and I'm so glad that you bring that up because it's so key in terms of betting golf and Ian we've got about a minute left and we've got a college basketball game to take a look at. I know that you much like myself love college basketball. VCU versus St. Joe's is going down. a Little bit of a disappointing A10 but St. Joe's a 4 to 4.5 point underdog total of 137.5. Where do you stand on this one?
5: Yeah, I'm on St. Joe's in this one. I like them getting the points. I think there is a little bit of a stylistic advantage here, a little bit for St. Joe's. Uh, Greg, I believe we're on opposite sides here. So now I'm all of a sudden not quite as confident. But I think St. Joe's can get something going on the perimeter. They are obviously a three-point shooting team. I think that is a little bit of a weakness on this VCU defense. They rank 127th in opponent three-point field goal, uh, field goal percentage. So they are really good down low. I think St. Joe's could get hot from three. Also, VCU has struggled with their shooting a little bit on the road this season. Uh, their effective field goal percentage dropped 6.1% on the road. St. Joseph's goes up 6.4% at home compared to on the road. Uh, so I like St. Joe's here with the points. We'll see what happens. St.
3: Joe's looking to not be average Joe's on this day and a man that is anything but average because he is extraordinary. W. you, Ian. You do great work over at BetSided. Always appreciate it. Thank you.
5: Thank you so much, Greg. Take care. Best of luck with your bets.
3: And that's a good primer because we're taking a look at some college basketball and some SEC action next here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIM,
0: the Sports Bay Network.
3: Sports fans, as the football season wraps up, BetRivers Online Sportsbook is your place to be for basketball and hockey. BetRivers has you covered for every line-on and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey for school insurance, Saturday Hockey, same game, parlay, bet and get, weekly pro basketball bet and get, and so much more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app today as it's a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Fan Network. Always great to get one of my good friends Ian McMillan aboard. Did a great job laying some insights on the NHL, little college basketball, little golf. So that's what we like. We're going full variety on the show tonight. We're going to be talking Oscars in our number three with Tom Cunningham. We're going to be talking some college basketball next hour with Daniel Alvari. We're going to be talking some futures with our good friend Jason Weingarn. So we're going to go down the list. We're going to cover all the boxes tonight and well, I don't think we're going to do too much in terms of the NFL. It's just too early to be taking a look at a lot of these mock drafts, in my opinion. We have yet to have the Combine. You've got a lot of teams that could be making trades. So, I'm Not going to be going too far down that rabbit hole, but darn near anything else that's in season, we've got you guys covered there. And we've got some nice SEC action that is going to be going down as well. And let's dive into a game where... We're seeing this line move in favor of the favorite, and I am not sure why. 621-622 on the betting board. Mississippi State hits the road face-off against Missouri. Missouri is a now 4 to 4.5 point favorite. I'm seeing straight three and a straight 3.5 out there as well. Your total is anywhere between 138 and 138.5, and, and the way this line is moving makes no sense at all. And by that, I mean Missouri is a team that they're looking to crank up the tempo. They're looking to make this a 195-style game, and you've got a Mississippi State team that would love to just stick you in the mud and make this a 50-possession game. The totals went down, and yet the line has moved in favor of Missouri. That is the exact opposite of how this game is going to be playing. If this is a low-scoring game, it bodes better for Mississippi State. If this is a high-scoring game, it's in favor of Missouri, so... I don't know what to make out of that, but I know that I like Mississippi State outright on the money line. Last time these two teams played, neither team got to 65. Mississippi State completely controlled their tempo, and they won the game while going 3 of 20 from three-point range. Now, I don't think Mississippi State is going to shoot much better than 3 of 20 from three-point range. I think they shoot better than 3 of 20 from three-point range, but it'll look a lot better because they shoot as a collective about 28.2% from three-point range. That is the bottom 30 mark in all of college basketball, but Mississippi State... Travels really, really well. They're second in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis in a road slash court environment. Fifth overall, they go up against Missouri's team that they're all or nothing in that they gamble for turnovers. Miss- Missouri is actually a top-ten team in the country in terms of turnovers forced on a per-possession basis. The problem with Missouri is they're also outside the top 200 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. You've got... Whole bunch of guys are able to do a good job of getting you turnovers, but Kobe Brown is the only guy that gives you an earth of four and a half rebounds per game. That is just not going to be withstanding in this game. That'd be Kobe Brown. He's got nice six foot eight sort of jitterbug styles. He's able to give you about 14 points, six boards, does a good job being able to shoot from three point range. Team has Trey Go Million back in the fold, so that's rock solid. But And if anyone knows what has happened with Isaiah Mosley this year, you do let me know because he's been all sorts of banged up. He's been in and out of the fold, and I thought he was going to be one of the more impactful transfers in all of college basketball. Instead, you've gotten a big giant nothing burger out of him for much of the season. Meanwhile, this is a Mississippi State team that they're looking to build themselves down low. Tolu Smith has been able to do a really good job. On the glass being able to supply about 14 points eight and a half rebounds per game you've got dj turn it up jeffries nine points right around six rebounds per game shaquille moore to davis have done nice work in the background davis really the only guy that averages north of four points per game that shoots above 30 percent from 3 point for mississippi state and if you do have a trepidation with this mississippi state team It shoots 64% the free throw line in a nip-and-tuck game that could nip you in the butt, but that said, it's a Mississippi State team that last time these two teams played, they got their slow and grimy style And With Missouri, it's been very random with them whenever they try to get slowed down because either they do an amazing job of getting their tempo like they did against Tennessee. They were able to pull out that game against a Tennessee team that ranks number one in the country in terms of points slot on a per-possession basis. They got to 86 in that spot. Meanwhile... When they turned around the next game and they played against Auburn, they got destroyed 89 to 56. They got slowed down against Texas AM m twice. They lost both of those games. Other than that game against Tennessee, in games where teams are looking to slow it down, they just have not had very good results. And I think that this is just a bad matchup in general for them. I think the Mississippi State should be able to control the glass. Mississippi State also does a good job of being able to generate turnovers. You got Missouri with pretty much six different guys to give you at least a seal per game, but... Them having absolutely nothing on the glass, I think, is going to be doomsday for them. And I do think that Mississippi State is going to do a nice job of being able to guard the three-point arc. I did something I told at half, so even with a slight tick down on the total, I do like the under. And I think Mississippi State should be the favorite here. They were able to knock them off once before. I don't see why they don't do so once again. So going to be taking a look at Mississippi State on the money line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. The earliest game on the board That is going to be happening in the Big East. How about if we go to the top? 601, 602. It is the X-Men of Xavier. They're going to be playing us Villanova. Villanova is anywhere between a 5 to a a 5.5 point underdog with their total anywhere between 147.5 and 148.5. Very intriguing spot in that you've got a Villanova team that has been able to play some better defense ever since you've been able to get Justin Moore in the fold. He has been living up to that name because he's been able to give the team more. And now you've got an actual bench for villanova which is nice they've given up 70 points or fewer in all but one of the games that Moore has been back for he's been able to give the team 10 points per game but it's a villanova team that still ranks right around 200th of the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis and you take a look at these two teams and they play at completely different tempos xavier they're not looking to slow down for anyone 21st in the country in terms of total possessions game villanova 325th and For Xavier, they've been dealing with the injury to Zach Fremantle, but they haven't taken too much of a drop-off with Jerome Hunter in the fold. Jerome Hunter has done a nice job being able to haul in there, 5-plus rebounds in 5 out of the team's last 6 games. He doesn't have the 3-point shooting that Zach Fremantle does, but he does a nice job of being able to help out Jack Nungy, who's coming from Iowa. He's been a north of 40% 3-point shooter. He's able to supply you with about 15 points, 7.5 rebounds per game, and... This is a Xavier team that should be able to carve up a Villanova team that's one of the worst at being able to guard the arc in all of college basketball. Xavier, they are number four in the country in terms of their three-point shooting percentage, so that has been good for them. Interestingly enough, Xavier is actually shooting 38.5% from three at home. Meanwhile, in a road slash shoot court environment, they shoot 41% from the outside, so I do find that to be a tad bit fascinating. Meanwhile, you've got a Villanova team that they don't necessarily play fast, They do a good job of not turning the ball over, but they don't force turnovers themselves, and they are 228th in the country in terms of three point shooting percentage. Not terrific. Eric Daniels, along with, er, Eric Dixon, along with Caleb Daniels, tried to combine the two of them. They've been able to combine for about 30 points per contest. They've done a nice job there. You've been able to get some good production out of Cam Whitmore with 12 points per game, but you really don't have the size to be a up with Nunch. And then you've got the backcourt duo of Kobe Jones along with Sule Boom. Both of these guys combined for 30 points. Both of these guys shoot between 40 405 half and 42% from three-point range. I think that this should be domination on the side of Xavier. Xavier is all right. went on the road, got the job done against Villanova. Now, that was a game which Justin Moore was out of the fold, but that was an 88-80 to slobber knocker. Now, what I will say about Xavier is that It's not like they're playing supreme defense right now. They're still a team that's outside the top 150 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but over the last few weeks, they've been able to play a little bit better on defense. I do attribute it to the fact that without Zach Fremantle in the fold, they haven't necessarily been playing as up-tempo. They've been playing about one to two possessions fewer per game ever since the injury, but that said, this is a squad that they've been able to hold up at the point of attack. They've given up 71 points or fewer in each of their last four games, we had a Villanova team that has been a little bit improved with their defense as well. So I did set my total at a 145.5. I'm not thinking that we're going to get some sort of a, oh, I don't know, 63-58 to 58 rock fight like we saw in Kansas versus TCU, but I do like the under in this spot. And with Xavier, I do think that they should be able to dominate this game. I think that they've got better size down, though. I like their shooting a little bit better, so I'm going to lay the... Uh points here with Xavier, set them as a 7.5 point favorite, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. We'll give this one to you very quickly as we've also got some action that's going to be going down on this Tuesday and for Central Michigan, things have went straight down the toilet bowl ever since Jesse's Arzula went out of the fold, 6.03 6.04 on the betting board. Buffalo is about an 11 to a 12 point favorite against Central Michigan with a total of 147 to one forty seven half. I set Buffalo as a 13.5 point favorite. The Central Michigan team has been a fade ever since Jesse's Arzula has been out of the fold and their defense has just completely fallen to shambles after they were able to as ironically enough knock off Michigan a little bit earlier in the season. So I do like Buffalo in that spot. If time allows, I'll try to dive into that one a little bit more. But we've got to dive into the our number one pro tip here on the Greg Peterson Experience slash subscribe. you know, we'll sort these all by showing by sport and we were talking about with Ian McMillan. One well, betting on golf, derivative markets, outrights, what have you. Take a look at the course design. Take a look to see if there's been any changes made to the courses from year to year as well because the old saying is horses for courses, and it is very important to take a look at that information rather than taking a look at uh, just what the last two tournaments have been like. And we're going to take a look at some college basketball. My PKNH pick on the flip side here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network.